if you will, find the passage in John 14, 23 and 24. Uh, Jesus answered, uh, he said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but it is, uh, is from the father who sent me. Let's pray together. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit. Any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation, if you prompt me with it, I want to be obedient to speak to it. You look at all of us today, but you see me differently. I'm a teacher of your word, I'm your preacher, and upon me is a greater judgment, a more strict judgment than anybody in the room, in the building. And I know that, Lord, and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. It's in the name of Jesus I pray, his name that I preach. Amen. It's good to see you. You can be seated. We uh, are in our series, Reset. We'll be finishing that series up next Sunday. And we are taking this series from Henry Blackaby's teaching, The Kingdom, Experiencing God, Knowing and Doing the Will of God. So I want to take you through uh, the realities that we've handled, explain some of them just a little bit, uh, and then uh, get you to the one we're handling today. Reality number one, God is always at work around you. Do you want to hear a funny story about this? it's, It's a crazy world out there, right? Confused world chaotic world, right? We shake our head. I mean, there's an NBA basketball player that's making 40 million a year and believes the world's flat. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just it's the stuff out there is just unbelievable. Um, but God's at work. You can shake our head at how crazy, chaotic, and confused it all is, but he's at work. Let me tell you a story. I had a call this week. And this stuff is, happens to me. And this is the Lord, he's just working. There's a guy in Georgia that I'm connected with and we've, we've hunted hundreds of times together. His name is Trip Neal. Trip, at one time was a personality with shooting uh, on the Sportsman's Channel, Outdoor Channel. He's guided from Alberta, Canada, all the way to Argentina. And he and I are just close, close friends. And uh, we've done tons of turkey hunting and duck hunting together. So uh, Tripp doesn't cry. He's, he's a, just a tough country boy. He, he, he catches wild hogs alive, and I'm not kidding you. I'm, I'm just not kidding you. And uh, he's an amazing guy. In, in fact, he's, he's South Georgia. You know, they don't go, do you want to go with me? They go, you want to go with me? You know, they say it like that. I mean, he's just a good, strong country boy. Calls me this one morning this week just crying. And I'm like, what is going on? Trip, you know, has one of our friends died? What has happened? And, and uh, he said, uh, preacher, I had to pull over in a lumber yard and call you. And he said, this guy called me. He said, I barely know him. He said, we do know each other, but it's cordial. It's not like we hang out. We don't hunt together. I just know who he is. And he called me and said he was having a dream that um, he was talking to me and I was telling him in his dream that he needed to be saved. So he said, Tripp, what's, what's going on? And so Tripp's like, he tried to get some preachers there to call him. So he calls me, he's crying, never happens. 
And uh, this, this story gets funny. I, I mean, it gets glorious, but it gets funny. And I can't make this up, okay? I can't make it up. And uh, so he, I, he said, uh, Jordan says he wants to be saved. And he goes, I don't, I don't know what to do. I said, well, you go home and get your Bible. And I said, can you go to Jordan's house in a few minutes? He said, yeah. I said, you go home, get your Bible, go find Jordan. And when you get there, call me. Well, on the way there, he's got his Bible. On the way there, he's, he's worried about what passages I'm going to use. So he calls me on the phone and he said, preacher, he said, are you going to use the book of Genesis? I said, no, I'm not going to use the book. He goes, good, because he said, I had a pet raccoon named Buster and he ate the old book of Genesis. He said he ate it. He ate it. Fun. Isn't that, I, you can't make this up, man. I, I, I promise this is not a stand-up routine here. And he said, just don't use Genesis because Buster ate every page out of the book of Genesis. <laughs> and so uh, he gets to Jordan's house. We get on the tailgate. He's on the tailgate with him. I'm on the phone. We're not FaceTiming. We're just, it's, this is just a phone call. It's on speaker. And uh, I run him through the Roman road, which I've done with you. I run him through the Roman road. We talk in 1 Corinthians about old and new. You know, you're a new creation. And uh, I, I hear Jordan on the tailgate of that truck surrender his life to Christ. See, God's always at work. And don't go thinking he doesn't love redneck country boys because he does. All right? There's hope for us. Uh, and... and uh, he surrenders his life. So we're talking about baptism. And uh, I'm t I'm, I said, you need to find a church and, you know, Trip will help you with that. And he said he had family, you know, and he said, I, I think I can do that. And uh, he said, uh, when I explained to him about baptism, I said, you know, it's death, burial, and resurrection. When you come up, it's, you go under, you're identifying with the death and burial of Christ. You come up, you're raised in, the, in resurrection. And then I said, uh, it's, it's the old Jordan going away. And I said, Jordan, what is it when you come up? He goes, he just shouted, it's the new Jordan. And I said, that's right. It's the new Jordan. See, see listen, the, we got basketball players that believe the world's flat and God's saving rednecks on the back of a tailgate of a truck in South Georgia, you know, with a Bible that doesn't even have Genesis in it. So about that? Is that not wonderful? He's, listen, he's at work, you hear me? It's crazy, it's chaotic, it's confusing out there, but he is always at work, rest in that. Reality number two, God, uh, God pursue, uh, pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. Reality number three, God invites you, isn't that glorious? To become involved with him in his work. Reality number four, God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church to reveal himself, his purpose, and his ways. Reality number five, God's invitation for you to work with him always leads to a crisis of belief. All of us will get there. None of us will escape the crisis of belief. It means that our faith requires action, uh, and it, we have to make decisions it's very normal for us to be at several crises of belief in our life. Uh, reality number six, you must make major adjustments in your life to join God in what he is doing. Last Sunday's sermon, the part that really spoke to me is I said to you, does God expect you to make adjustments in your life? And the answer is yes. 
And I said, remember, he required that of Jesus. Scripture said he left the riches of glory to take on the poverty of man. Major adjustment. He left being attended to in heaven to come down and live in poverty here, humility. He humbled himself. Uh, and it's, it's just a beautiful picture of Jesus having to make adjustments so that you and I could be saved. Certainly, he's gonna ask you to make adjustments too. <clears throat> uh, reality number seven, you come to know God by experience as you obey him. And which is what the song was said today. I, I want more of you and less of me. Uh, it is a picture of that and we go deeper with him and he accomplishes his work through me and you. John 14, 23 through 24. If you read John 14, it's about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit all in that chapter. It's a neat little read for you. <clears throat> and it talks about how the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit indwell and live with you. And that's not a foreign concept in Scripture. Look at Colossians 3.16 real quickly. Uh, let the message or the word of God about Christ, that's the word Messiah means Christ, dwell richly among you, which also says dwell in you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, uh, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, praying the pace prayer. Do you see that in there? With gratitude in your hearts to God, uh, we, we let it dwell within us. We, uh, when we baptize somebody, which we'll be baptizing some people next Sunday, um, we'll baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. And you think that's the church thing to do. We are commanded to do that. Uh, one, one, not only are we commanded, we do it for another reason. When Jesus was baptized, all three were present. Jesus is the Son. Uh, the Father just speaks out to them. This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit at baptism comes in flying like a dove or a bird. So they're all three present at his baptism. Father speaking, Holy Spirit moving, and the Son being baptized. We also do it because it takes the work of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to get you there. They're all working together to get you there. And we do it because the work of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is going to continue working in your life. That's the verse that we're given today. If you'll go back to John 14, it's, it, it says, uh, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him and we will come to him and make our dwelling place with him. Uh, they're there. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. Uh, and we're gonna break that down in just a moment. Listen, if you have an obedience problem, you have a love problem. Because he says, if you love me, then you will obey me. Let's take a marriage, for example. Um, I, know, I know people can make decisions that victimize you. I know that. I know you can be innocent, but yet you're receiving the overflow or the effect of other people's decisions. We all do. We all do that. But let's just take my marriage to Julie. I made a covenant to her. She and I are one flesh. Jesus never sees us separately. Do y'all hear that? We're one flesh. I can be in Alaska. Uh, she can be at the shopping mall in Simpsonville. And he still sees us together even though we're miles apart because we're one flesh. 
I, I show my love to Julie by my obedience to Julie. I, you see what I'm saying? If I love her, then I'm going to think about her and be obedient to her. If I don't love her, it's do whatever you want. Right? If I love her, I'm going to be obedient to us and our commitment together. And yes, another spouse can be disobedient and you've been faithful, but you receive the victimization. That's what sin does, you all. Sin just does not stay with you. It may be private, but it'll always go public. It'll always, it's like throwing a rock in a pond. The ripple effect will go to the banks. And other people's sin can innocently harm you. That's one reason that God hates it so much is not only does it harm the person that's doing it, it harms innocent people who are just bystanders. And he hates it so much because of what it does to people. If you have an obedience problem, you have a love problem. Let's look at that in the verse. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And the word keep is a prison word. It is a uh, warden word. And it means that you will, you, you will keep his word like you guard a prisoner in their cell. You're, you're, you intend for it never to get out is the picture. He will keep my word. My father will love him. We will come to him and make our home with him. The one who does not love me will not keep my words. So an obedience problem becomes a love problem. The word that you hear is not mine, but it's from the father who sent me. Look at 1 Samuel 15, 22 for a moment. Uh, Samuel anointed and appointed the kings. And he's teaching here that obedience is greater than sacrifice. People can sacrifice and show that to the world. Look how big my sacrifice is. That doesn't impress the Lord. What, what, what impresses the Lord is your obedience to him. Then Samuel said, does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as obeying in the Lord? Look, to obey is better than sacrifice. To pay attention is better than the fat of rams. Now, the fat of rams is not in our culture. You and I don't have discussions about the, what are you doing with the fat of the rams? We're not doing that. Now, we may have discussions about raccoons eating Jesus, but we don't have discussions about the fat of rams because we don't offer them up. But in that day and time, that was, a, that was an incredible sacrifice because the, the fat was used in so many ways to benefit families that to offer that as a sacrifice was a big deal. Uh, so to pay attention is better than the fat of rams. He's talking about obedience. If you're going to join the Lord in his work, it requires obedience from us. And the second part says, if you don't love me, you're not going to keep my commandments. Um, disobedience is rebellion and rebellion leads to destruction I, I know some of you are suffering because of other people's rebellion and that has overlapped into you but some of you are suffering because of your own rebellion Here, here's what the enemy does and this can be our logic even though it's misplaced that is that things get to happen to us all the time this, it just seems like 
it never quits. We get one thing done and we, I mean, you just shake your head and you go, what's going on? And, and, uh, and it's destruction. And then you'll get mad and you'll blame God for the destruction when it's been your choices all along. Your disobedience is going to bring destruction. And he knows that. God knows that. He doesn't want that for you. And somebody's disobedience will not only bring destruction from them, but it includes somebody else's. Innocently, it can overlap into somebody else's life. That's why he hates it so much. He doesn't want that to happen. So I want you to be able to see the picture that it leads to destruction. And we're going to share that in a story in the Gospels in just a moment. I want to give you another indicator of obedience and another indicator of disobedience. Prayer becomes that, becomes that indicator. If you're, if you're praying people, then that's an indicator that you're an obedient person because you want the checks and the balances. Is, am I, is this right, Lord? Is this the direction you want me to go? Is this, is this the next step that I need to take? Is it whatever? If you're not a praying person, you don't care. I mean, it doesn't matter what the Lord thinks. It matters what I think. No, wait, no, wait. you can even amen and point somebody else if you want to, okay? Uh, you see what I'm saying? It, it does, I mean, if I, if I don't care, I, why do I need to even talk to the Lord about it? It's not a big deal. So a prayer becomes the indicator. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 12, verses 23 and uh, 24. As for me, I vow that I will not sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. This section is called the sin of prayerlessness. I will teach you the good in the right way. And look at the obedience here in the next verse. Above all, fear the Lord and worship him faithfully with all your heart and consider the great things that he has been able to do for you. Prayer is an indicator of you seeking obedience. Lack of prayer is an indicator that you just don't really care. I don't need his direction. I don't want his direction. Y'all looking at me a little bit confused. Now, here's the beauty of the gospel. That's why Jesus and the Holy Spirit intercede for us. Y'all see that? Because he doesn't give up on us. When you're not praying, they are on your behalf. On your behalf, they're interceding with the Father for you because they understand. Let me just talk to you about prayer. If Jesus needed prayer to stay in obedience, go ahead and finish that point, will you? Come on, finish it for me, somebody. You need it. If, uh, if Jesus needed prayer to stay focused on his obedience, there you are. There you are. It, it becomes a key to that. So obedience is not an option, really, to the believer. Look at Luke 6, 46 through 49. Uh, this is about two foundations in building houses. And I, I just want to show you about how disobedience leads to destruction. Why do you call me Lord and don't do the things I say? There it is. Obedience problem is a love problem. I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and then obeys them, acts on them. He's like a man that builds a house, dug it deep, laid the foundation. This is the proper way to do it. Uh, he laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood came, not if they come, because we can do a metaphor to our life, we're going to have seasons. It seems like it's nothing but floods, literally. Uh, 
the river crashed against the, the house, uh, against the house, and it couldn't shake it. It stood. Uh, but the one who hears and doesn't obey, the one who hears and does not act is like a man who builds his house on ground without foundation. The river crashes against it. It immediately it collapses. You see the word destruction and the destruction of that house was great. And some of you are building your house on the sand or on the ground without the foundation of the Lord. And then destruction happens and you get mad and you blame God for it. And he had nothing, he didn't do it, you know. Uh, he's, he's wanting to avoid that with you. Uh, so one hears and acts and obeys and endures. J James writes, we all become hearers, but then we switch. There's the adjustment to being a doer. One hears and does not act, and then there's destruction. So it's, it's obedience, back to the very first verse uh, there in verse 46. It's obedience. It says, if you, 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 it's important for you to do what I say. Look at this next story, Matthew 21, 28 through 31. It's about a father's got two boys. But what do you think? A man has two sons. He went to the first and said, my son, go work in the vineyard today. And being a typical son, I don't want to. If I said that to my dad, that the next step was a spanking. Uh, he answered, I don't want to. Uh, he, later he changed, yet later he changed his mind and he went. He became obedient. Then the man went to the other and said the same thing to the other son. I will, sir. He, he answered, have you not been around those people that sir you and yes ma'am you and no ma'am you and, yeah, and then you know they're just little rebels and they don't mean anything they're saying to you? Do you know what I'm saying? And I just want to say to them, I know what you're doing. You know, don't you? You know they don't mean it. Uh, yes, sir, I will. I will, he answered, but he didn't go. Which of the two did his father's will? They responded, the first one. Jesus said to them, I assure you, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. Uh, and because they're saying yes to him in obedience. Uh, here's the picture. The first son, I don't know if I want to or not, but his obedience to his father kicks in. Uh, the second one is quick to speak of obedience. He gives the image of obedience. I will, sir. I will, sir. And he has no intention. Of, it's, an image, it's an image of obedience, but he doesn't back it up. Which one is the obedient son? And they said, the first one. So I'm going to take this story and go, out of the two, which one are you? Are you quick to show an image of obedience, but you don't show up? Or are you one that even was, is like, nah, I don't want to, but you end up coming? And yeah, there are those people who are doubly obedient. They say yes and show up. They're few and far between. Trust me, they're few and far between. But I, you and I can be the one that says, I don't want to, but I am gonna, I'm gonna show up. The, my obedience and love for the Lord is gonna, I'm gonna show up. I'm gonna show up there. Uh, but which one are us? I mean, do you really trust the people that's got their bumper stickers down with religious slogans? No. I've seen more people give fingers to other people who have more religious slogans on their car. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we give an image of obedience, but it's not there. And if you've got an obedience problem, then you have a love problem. 
You have a love problem. I uh, remember if where there is faith, there's always action, and that action is obedience. Listen, I want to break this down for you in everyday life. I don't want to give you theology that's just flying up in a cloud somewhere. Folks, there, there, there are places that some of you all go online. You know you're not supposed to be there. Do I have to give you the seminar for that? But you go anyway. You know, you don't. There, there, some of us go to physical places. We just don't need to be there. And I know I'm acting like a Puritan here. I know, I know, I know that. Like, you know, but we ought to live a life of purity. I want to live a life of purity for my Lord. I also want to live a, live a life of purity for my wife and my kids. And I want to live a life of purity for you. I want to live it for you. Uh, I, you see what I'm saying? There's just, this obedience thing is not that hard to figure out. It's not that hard. And let me say it to you like this. I, I say it in counseling sessions all the time. And I, I've said it a lot in preaching. And I'm going to say it again. Here's the bottom point. When you and Jesus are out of line, everything's out of line. Everything. You're selfish. You're greedy. Like, for example, let's say that I'm going, okay, Julie, You've been taking care of your mom and dad. And uh, you work hard as a school nurse. And listen, why don't you and the girls go out? I'll take care of me, mom, papa, and, and uh, y'all go out and have, you know, go see a movie, go get something to eat or whatever. I've got it taken care of you. Go ahead. It sounds like I'm a wonderful husband, right? I'm going to get husband of the year award. But hang on. But the real motive that I'm telling her to go spend time with her friends is so I can go deer hunt next weekend. You see that? You see the conniving part of that? I'm not doing it to bless her. I'm doing it so I can flip it around and say, well, I, took, I let you go. I'm going to the woods. One of them, I look great. But my shadow mission tells me that I'm only thinking of Jeffro. You see? Uh, we, we can all be selfish and greedy and when you and Jesus are aligned, listen, why do, I, why do I repeat myself all the time? So you at least do it once? I want you to at least do it once. Why am I teaching you the praise prayer? Because all other prayers monotonous and you're tired of it? No, I want to teach you something that makes you focus on him. Because when you and Jesus are out of line, everything's out of line. Parents, when you and Jesus are out of line, your kids will become a burden instead of a blessing. Your marriage will seem like a trap instead of a covenant. When you and Jesus are out of line, everything's out of line. Everything is out of line. Why do we give you the hope arrow? So that you'll be focused on the Lord. Why? Because if you and Jesus are out of line, everything's out of line. Why do we give you the big five to do daily? So you'll focus on the Lord. Hulk Hogan here. If you and Jesus are out of line, everything's out of line. You get it? So we've got to stay focused on him. And it's, a, it's an act of love and obedience. And it's, it's listen, I, I, can't, I can't tell you that enough. 
And that's what he, and our world is craving for not Christians who know everything, but Christians who live obedient lives to know that you trust a God that you can't see. And you may carry in a Bible that doesn't have Genesis in it. It's okay, but just live that life faithfully. You see, God's at work always. NBA players think the world's flat, but God's at work. He's always at work and he's asking me and you to join him in that. And we can run from it. But if we love him, we'll be obedient to that. And you're gonna grow deeper in the Lord. And listen, he rewards those who diligently seek him. He rewards those. It's a wonderful life. It's an incredible life. And he wants to tell his story in and through us. I told you I had four or five in me today. I do, I, I, I got an extra hour of sleep. So anyway. I'm ready to go, all right? Listen, I'm gonna ask you to make a decision today. I don't know what your next step of obedience, some of you, some of you have given your life to the Lord, you privately, you've done that, but your next step of obedience is to be baptized. Uh, you may wanna make that known today. I don't know what your next step of obedience is, but take it, make a commitment to it today. Uh, it'll probably be a simple one and then he'll just continually lead you to making those, those other next steps. Uh, but listen, I want you in line with him today. Will you make that commitment to him? I do believe in rededications, I simply do. I believe in that so much. Simon Peter, that happened with him, and he became a preacher that the world couldn't shut up unless they killed him, and they did. So let's, let's, make, a, let's make a recommittal, let's make a rededication, let's solidify our covenants. Um, Lord, you take everything, uh, more of you and less of me, right? And let's, let's do that today because if we got an obedience problem, we've got a love problem. That's why I tell you every time when we pray, tell the Lord that you love him today from your heart to his. May he hear that from you and may he hear that from you. Let's stand, church, if you will. Our counselors will be here to receive you. Our invitation is this, whosoever will, for whatever reason today, come. Listen, if you're here, you need somebody to pray over you physically, you're sick, come. You just, you just see somebody to pray over you and bless you, come, okay? There's no judgment here, no judgment, just come. Come and let people bless you and pray over you. And let's make those commitments today, okay? As the team leads us, you come.